0: To see each of you on this wonderful Sunday morning, and just let me um, probably not be the first, hopefully not the first, just to wish um, you all a happy Mother's Day. It's a good day to gather in the name of the Lord, and we we take opportunity to to do what we, we really should do year-round, and that is honor those that um, have been an influence in our life, um, that have provided physical um Met our physical needs, helped us to to grow into maturity, and hopefully, um, like the the young pastor Timothy, the influence of both grandparents, grandmother, and mother have an influence on our faith and on our life. And so we are we are thankful for that, and we take time to to celebrate. And I'll say a little bit more about that in just a moment. But just to welcome you, whether you're in person or online, we're glad to see you. If you're a regular attender, it's great to have you back. Or if you're a visitor, we're so thankful that you took time this morning to, to join with us for, for worship. Um, I won't take time to, to do announcements this morning. I will just say that you can consult the uh, the bulletin. Most the important things are there in the center section, and there's also a calendar on the back. But today is Mother's Day, and if you look at the whole of Scripture, you see the overwhelming um, impact that, um, that a mother or a woman in someone's life can have. They um, have the opportunity to, to provide help, to provide um, encouragement, to provide strength, to provide wisdom, um, practically speaking, to provide food um, and to provide, but also to be um, in, in instances where the Lord blesses to be a companion um, for those um, that would call them their wife um, for a lifetime. But I know, honestly, as we celebrate Mother's Day—that there are very many different emotions that many people experience on a day. I'm like this. For some, it's a time of celebration. For others, it's a—it's a time that's mixed with both some joy and, and sorrow. There's a there's a grieving, but there's also a gladness that some people enjoy. But if we take the words of Paul in Romans 12. Um, to be true, and we do of course, then we understand that as believers, as the family of God, that we are to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, celebrate, and we're to weep or grieve alongside those who are are grieving. Can't think of a better place to do those things in the context of family and even more importantly in the group that we call a church family. That we have a place where we gather together, where we can rejoice together, we can weep together, both in an attitude of love. And so with that in mind, I just wanted to share with you um, something briefly that I'm going to read, and then we're going to read a few verses in Proverbs chapter 23, starting in verse 22. Um, I don't often use other people's prayers. But um, Bible teacher Jill Briscoe um, penned these words um, in, in relationship to the beauty and also the struggle that comes with motherhood, parenting, life in general. I like to read these words, and then we'll read from Proverbs together before our, our deacons come and, and we receive our offering. But Jill Briscoe writes these words, Loving God. Thank you for the beautiful gift of motherhood. Thank you for the many joys that family life brings. Thank you for the privilege of nurturing young lives and teaching the next generation your wonderful ways. But Lord, in this broken world, motherhood is not an easy task. So please strengthen moms for the responsibilities they carry. Equip them by your word. Encourage them through your people and empower them by your spirit. Amen. So the writer of Proverbs, many take to be Solomon himself, has much to say about our responsibilities to our parents and the influence that parents can have. Proverbs chapter 23, starting in verse 22, he writes these words. Listen to your father who gave you life. And do not despise your mother when she is old. By truth, and do not sell it. By wisdom, instruction, and understanding, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Gentlemen, will you come as we receive our offering this morning?
1: Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for the opportunity to come here this morning, uh, to bow before you, to hear your word, to worship you. Lord, right now we just, in our hearts, place you as first, and we want to give back a little bit of what you've given to us, what you've blessed us with, and we thank you. this in your name. Amen.
2: Well, I just want to let you know that the song I'm affixing to sing has meant so much to me through the years. I have to confess I changed two lines of the song only to fit that I'm a girl singing it and not a dad. So I uh, sing it. it. It just speaks of the joy of having children and bringing them up in the right way and seeing... What they become, and this is what I have up here, beautiful family. So, with that done, Lottie died, died, custom made to order I was riding with my son on our way back from San Antonio and my children do he started playing 20 questions but I never would have guessed one could touch me to my soul like when we get to heaven can I taste Milky Way, are we going there to visit, are we going there to stay, am I gonna see my grandpa, or can I have a pair of wings, and do you think God you could use another angel to help pour out the rain. I dying, die, die Oh I won't lie? I pulled that car right over and I sat there on the shoulder, trying to dry my misty eyes. And I whispered, "Lord, I want to thank you for my children Cause your innocence that fills them Often takes me by surprise Like when we get to heaven Can I taste the Milky Way? Are we going there to visit? Are we going there to stay? I can't wait to see my grandpa Or can I have a pair of wings? And do you think, God, you can use another angel to help pour out the rain? Well, I thought about it later on, and a smile came across my face. When I tucked them into bed that night, I got down on my knees and I prayed. Lord, when I get to heaven, can I taste the milky way? I'm not coming there to visit. I'll be coming home to stay. I can't wait to see my family and meet Jesus face to face. And do you think, Lord, you could use another angel help pour out the rain? Mm, can I help pour out the rain, dear Lord? Can I help pour out the rain? Body Dying da die
1: Would you stand and sing with us this morning? Marvelous, wonderful, infinite Author of all that is good Faithful, provider, and giver source of all power and love. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Refuge of strength to the Could change your world? So You may be seated.
0: give have a Bible, you can turn over to Ruth Chapter Two. It goes Joshua judges Ruth, the books get progressively smaller as you get there. Joshua is easy to find, Judges is a little more difficult, and then Ruth is right after that. So thankful for God's gift to me of great um, motherhood in my life. I could say without a doubt I have the best mother. Um, I have the best mother-in-law, and I live with the best example of a godly mother that you could find on the earth. And I'm gratefully blessed for those examples. I am I think back to my, my childhood, and my mom created a place in our home, 825 Featherston, where I knew without a doubt that I was well-loved, I was well-cared for, and I was well-disciplined. In fact, nobody could probably... Count how many times I heard Rusty Wayne or my mom's whistle. Now, Rusty Wayne was in when I was in close proximity, and I knew that I was out of line. Whistling is when I'd gotten a little too far away from her reach, whether um, it was somewhere I shouldn't have been or it was beyond the comfort zone that she thought was safe. Um, both. Um, can still hear ringing my head and both piercing, but I, I would say that just as much as I, I knew that we would have food on the table and that we would we would live in a place that was clean, I also knew that my mom cared for me because she disciplined me. But probably one of the things that I, I most am thankful for are the prayers that she, she prayed. I'm wondering what this goofball kid growing up who lived through the awkwardness of junior high and carried that awkwardness with him into high school and, and still, you know, limps with a little awkwardness um, now, um, but God, um, through the faithfulness that he has and through the prayers of, of many, has brought me along to where I am today and I'm grateful um, for my mom and I'm grateful for the examples that he's placed in my life. But I want us to think about that idea of a place where you know you're loved, you know you're taken care of, you know you're disciplined, to, um, to lead us to another place, the place I want to talk about this morning. And the idea in Ruth chapter 2 is the, um, the thought of God's field of grace. Now you may not know the man's name, but you may know the words. His name's Frederick Faber. Um, he grew up in England. He became a hymn writer. He was greatly um, influenced by some of the earlier hymn writers. And he wrote a song that I would not have known had it not been for a man named Rich Mullins. Um, and the first stanza is just simply this. There is a wideness in God's mercy, like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness in God's justice, which is more than liberty. There's welcome for the sinner and more graces for the good. There is mercy with the Savior. There is healing in His blood. Can you see the picture he's painting of a a place of of grace? But we make God's love too narrow by false limits of our own, and we magnify its strictness with a zeal will God will not own. For the love of God is broader than the measures of the mind, and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. In our love, if our love, what were but more simple. We should rest upon God's Word and our lives would be illumined by the presence of our Lord. And I want to offer up to you this morning this simple statement that God invites anyone who will come to find favor and blessing in His field of grace. There is a place, a place of grace, where we can enjoy God's goodness, God's protection, God's provision, God's discipline, all for our good, as He works in us to grow us to be more like our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And we're going to take our text this morning from the second chapter of Ruth. If you have notes that date back to 2018, and we're in church on May the 17th, and you can find that in your bulletin in your bulletin collection, um, this would be greatly helpful. Um, in fact, um, you might be able—I I doubt you could follow along word for word—but you would find um, that that I did indeed preach on this back in 2018. And my goodness, that was five years ago, and I can't even imagine that time has moved by so quickly. But as we pick up this story, let me just give you a brief um, overview. If you're not familiar with Ruth, Ruth and her her mother-in-law, Naomi, go to Bethlehem after their husbands have died. One other um, sister chooses to, to turn back and go home, Orpah, but... We have these two women, Ruth and Naomi, who head to Bethlehem to see what God might want to do in their lives. And chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she put out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed the young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean. And do not rebuke her. Oh Father, we are so grateful to have the opportunity to look at your word, and we're thankful that it is always appropriate, that it stands the test of time. And it speaks to both heart and mind. That it's the only word that is living and that is able to transform. And we ask this morning very simply in the humility that you would take your living word and transform us, your people, to be more in the likeness of your Son, Jesus, for your glory. We pray this. Amen. So, moms, I didn't have opportunity to get you a Mother's Day gift. And so what my hope is is that my gift will be to you that maybe we'll be out just a few minutes early this morning and you'll be able to move on toward the wonderful lunch, the lavish provisions that your children or your husband or someone is providing for you. Um, Or maybe you'll just be thankful that I didn't quite talk as long this time as I did other times. But I want us to think about this. God invites anyone who will come to find favor and blessing in His field of grace. So let me just tell you, I need to define the word favor, because it's not like, hey, would you do this for me? Would you do me a favor? No, when we talk about that, it's the undeserved kindness of God. It's very closely in equivalence to the word grace, that God chooses to bless us. God chooses to be gracious toward us, and God's intent is that as he is a it bless, blesses us that we can in turn be a blessing toward others. And so you could say that someone has God's favor is considered to be a friend of God. Think about Noah, Exodus chapter 6. We have this wonderful phrase about Noah that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It indicates relationship. It invites us to come and join in communion with the great God who created all things. And God says that if you will walk with me, then I'll provide, I'll meet your needs, I will take care of you. And so we come to know this favor in our day by knowing and putting our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. So it really is very close to the word grace, and it just reminds us of the undeserved kindness of God. Nothing we have done or ever can do will make us deserving of it, but God is so gracious and willing to give it to us. So back to our story, we find these two women traveling toward Bethlehem. Both of them are vulnerable. Both of them are very needy. They're widows. Naomi's getting older. Ruth is a foreigner, or not a Hebrew. But they're headed toward the place that is exactly where God Wants them to be. A place where they will find blessing under his care and be carried along by his providence. Or another way of saying it is a place where they would find favor. So there's four simple points. There's first three, and then the fourth one is really the conclusion. But the first thing is that there is a need for favor. We are introduced to this man, Boaz, in the first part of chapter two. We find that he's a relative of Naomi. She's from the he's from the clan of her husband, describes him as a worthy man. Other translations say he's a man of, of standing, man of integrity, man of influence. But he's also a blood relative of this family of Ruth. And if you read through the story, you find that he is qualified and willing to serve as the kinsman redeemer for her and her family. So these vulnerable women go to Bethlehem looking for provision. They're poor, they're destitute, and they're looking for protection. They're they're vulnerable. And God uses this man, this worthy man, Boaz, to provide both of them. And you can go ahead and start drawing the picture in your mind now. When you see that worthy man, Boaz, that that he's an imperfect picture of the perfect, worthy one, the Lord Jesus, that we run to at all times for provision and protection. And so Ruth, in speaking to Naomi, either requests or lets her know that she's going to go out and glean or pick up some leftover grain. Why? Because they're hungry and they need food. And so the the law, the law of Moses, allowed them to go out into previously harvested fields and to pick up grain that was not harvested. Now, farmers would deliberately leave some of the grain there to provide for those who were poor and destitute. And so Ruth sets out to find this field where she hopes to find favor. Now, she didn't know who owned any of the fields, She just went out, and it's totally an act of faith on her part. And it says there in verse 2 that she hopes to glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. It's almost like a, a prayer without praying. Lord, just lead me to the place where you're going to meet my needs. Somebody that's kind and gracious. We need food, Lord, and we hope you're going to be the one you're going to provide it for us. But in this search for food, as you read through the story, you find out God has way more in store for these two ladies. Because as it turned out, the writer says, Ruth just happens to be in the field of this worthy man, Boaz. Now it's not accidental. If you truly believe that God is orchestrating things all through history, you know that it's part of his plan. And he comes with this hearty greeting of letting us know that he's a man of faith. The Lord be with you. And his workers say, the Lord bless you. But then he turns to one of his workers and he says, okay, whose young woman is this? He looks out and he sees somebody he doesn't recognize. Now, we don't know anything about the appearance of Ruth. You know, we're we're told that Esther is, is beautiful. We don't really have any idea of what Ruth looks like. But Boaz obviously notices that there's someone in his field that he is unfamiliar with. And he doesn't ask, who is she? Look at the question, whose young woman is this? What family is she a part of? And the young man answers, well, she's a Moabitess. She's returned from Moab with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she asked very kindly, very simply, can I glean some grain? And obviously, you know, you can see she's a hard worker because she's been at work since she got here. Started early. She took a short break, but now she's back at it again. And so the Lord put Ruth in this field of Boaz where she would find favor. Now, I want you to, to notice kind of Ruth's actions and her, her attitude. She doesn't feel sorry for herself. She doesn't just sit around and mope. She's not having a pity party. No, she goes out to do what she can to find favor. Food and hoping to find favor. It just makes me kind of wonder about my own life. You know, how often do I do I sit around just feeling sorry for myself? Woe is me. Woe is me. Nobody's ever been through this, Lord. It's just me. You know, nobody's ever felt like this before. And you look and you laugh sometimes. You think, yeah, everybody has. But in those moments when we feel sorry for ourselves and we seek pity and have self pity, we really fail to see God's grace at work around us and it certainly doesn't put us in a position to receive what God may have to offer so the next thing in the, in the next several verses we see an answer to the question how do you receive favor how do you receive favor now there may be exceptions but I think just about everybody that we come across loves to receive gifts, Christmas birthdays, special occasions maybe you get a free product or a sample; those are diminishing, but they used to be. Um, or somebody makes a generous offer. You know, hey, you know, would you like to have this? Well, sure. So Boaz makes a generous offer to Ruth. Look at verse eight. Now, listen, my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. So in that sentence, he offers Ruth what she is looking for in this land of Bethlehem house of food or house of bread, provision, food, and protection, his workers are going to look out for. I've ordered my men not to touch you. If you get thirsty, hey, the guys over there have drawn some water. Be sure and go get a drink. And Ruth's response in verse 10, she falls on her face. She bows him, not in worship, but in humility. And she says, why have I found favor in your eyes? that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. Now, Ruth was well aware that she was needy, she was vulnerable, and that she was a foreigner. And so she's very grateful for what she receives. She's very humble in how she receives it because this man Boaz has welcomed Ruth who is an outsider. Now that phrase outsider is not as important as the fact that it says over and over again, Ruth the Moabite. You can read about it later if you want to, but it's obvious that she's not an Israelite, and even worse, she's a Moabite, descendants of Lot's son, who had an inappropriate relationship with his daughter, the ones that would be constant enemies and troublers of Israel. You can read the story about King Balak and Balaam, and Deuteronomy 23 tells us that they were not welcome in the assembly of the Lord. They weren't able to to worship. But she didn't really come from a great background it doesn't really say anything about Ruth As a person, but it does say that You know, the reputation that her people carried Was not exactly great But in the midst of that God shows favor To Ruth And Ruth puts her trust in Boaz Can you start to draw the lines You know, you, you think about our, us We are outsiders We're unworthy You know, we're as the Scripture says, enemies of God apart from Jesus. were undeserving of anything that He should even welcome us, but yet He calls us to come because He desires a relationship with us. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. So how did Ruth gain this favor with Boaz? Well, it wasn't anything that she did. It wasn't because she looked right, she dressed right, she acted right. It was simply because Boaz... Found it in his heart to extend mercy. And Ruth had Boaz's favor because God was gracious to both Boaz and to Ruth. And we simply receive that favor with God. And I know you're looking for a big answer, but it's simply by faith. God offers it, it's a free gift, and we receive it, just like you would take a present. We see Ruth making that choice in chapter 1 in the declaration of her faith, speaking to her mother-in-law, your people will be my people and your God my God. I grew up a Moabite, I grew up a pagan, but now I'm going to follow you and I'm going to trust in your God. She didn't deserve it, she couldn't have ever earned it, she simply received it. think about this I mean just look at your life and think what about you right now is good enough to deserve God's grace if you're writing anything other than the word nothing stop. Um, if you've made it past number one stop. there's nothing. it's all God's work it's his incredible love it's his faithfulness, it's his mercy it's his plan we don't deserve it but God freely gives it. I told you last week I love country music. Um, Chris Christofferson I will say this he wrote better than he sang he may still sing I'm not sure if he's still alive but um, he wrote this why me Lord really his personal testimony what have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known tell me Lord what did I ever do that was worth loving you or the kindness you've shown ever get a chance, you can Google it and find him sharing his testimony about his experience of um, coming to faith. It's just beautiful. Man who obviously lived very hard in a direction that was away from the Lord, who did about everything um, the wrong way, and all of a sudden God, who was pursuing him, revealed himself, and he's left with those words, Why me, Lord? And it should really be our words. Why us? Why would you show... Your kindness to us. Why would God show kindness to Ruth through this man, Boaz? Well, Boaz recognized in Ruth's life her attitude and her faith. That she's really sacrificed much to stay with her mother-in-law. Maybe perhaps giving up the chance of remarrying and having a, you know, a, a joyful life. She left her place of familiarity, place where she was known and accepted. But she put her trust in the one who, the writer says, is the God of Israel. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. It's verse twelve. It's quoting there. It's Boaz speaking. Ruth sought refuge under the wings of God that provide protection. She put her faith in Him like a a little baby bird seeking protection under the wing of a mother hen or a child running to the end of the garment of a mother and grasping on to the hem. It's a place of both trust and security. A place where we find comfort. A place we find safety. A place where there's protection. A place where there's hope. So Ruth called on the name of the Lord. She put her trust in the Lord. And because of that, she enjoyed the gift of favor from the Lord and through this worthy man, Boaz. And faith in the one who is worthy above all, the Lord Jesus will be rewarded. The third thing is that there's an abundance of God's favor. Look at verse 13. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servants, though I am not one of your servants. So she quickly realizes, okay, I'm an outsider, but yet Boaz has made me an insider. It's what God does for us in Jesus, that outsiders become insiders. Strangers become families. And Ruth is a stranger, but Boaz treats her just like one of his own. A lunch invitation. Come here and eat. There's a meal prepared. Boaz passes her some of that roasted grain. She has bread and wine as well. And the text tells us she ate until she was satisfied. And she had some left over. So she didn't split a plate. She got her own, and when she finished eating, there was enough for her to have a doggy bag, a carry-out container. There were leftovers. It just speaks of the abundance of provision. There was more than enough. She ate till she was full, and there was still more. And then it gets better, verses 15 and 16. The favor just keeps coming. Let her glean even among the sheaves, and don't stop her. What's Boaz instructing? Well, he goes on and tells his workers, hey, listen, all that hard work you've done, all that grain you've already picked up and put in the sacks, why don't you grab some out of that sack and throw it on the ground so that Ruth will be sure and find it. So it's not so much a hunt, it's more of gathering. Because God has used Boaz to provide for both Ruth and Naomi, and it's obvious that... There's this interest, a special interest that Boaz has in Ruth. And if you have time today, read the rest of the story. It doesn't take very long. It's a wonderful, wonderful tale. And we see that that morning, Ruth left out from Naomi, empty, hungry. She came back full, and what does she have? She had stuff left over Verse 17, she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. An ephah. We don't measure an ephah's, but it's about 30 to 50 pounds of grain. It's a lot. Just a picture of the abundance of the favor that the Lord showed to Ruth through this man, Boaz. We talked last week about that word. God's loving kindness, His loyal love. And it's a picture here. God using Boaz to show that loving kindness to Ruth. Protection, provision, comfort, acceptance. She's served by this man Boaz. She's welcomed in as one of his own. And all those things are found in the Lord Jesus who offers His favor, God's favor to us by grace, even though we're outsiders. It's an offer, but it's still up to you and I to receive it. But in that, He invites you, and He invites me to be His very own people, a people of His own possession. I've called you by name. You are mine. So if you're looking for favor in Christ alone, You'll find it. Have you ever wondered why God would allow us to find favor? would have grace. Well, it's because He loves us. But listen to what Paul writes, Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's a gift of God. So I said earlier, you know, I didn't really get you a gift. Um ladies and mothers. Um, but I do want to remind us of the greatest gift. That because of what Jesus has done for us, the fourth thing you see is that you can find favor. I mean, maybe you're, you're here this morning and you feel a lot like Ruth. Or maybe even Naomi. And if you read that first chapter, you find their great need, their desperation. And you find in Naomi this hardness, this, this bitterness because of the things that have happened to her. And many around us feel that same way too. They, they feel like they're at the end of the rope. They feel hurt. feel bitter. They feel helpless. And they need provision and protection. They need God's favor and His grace. And God invites anyone who will come to find favor and blessing in His field of Grace. You know, hopefully in this picture you got a little bit of the, the idea of what this field looks like, but that field is a place of redemption. It's a place where God buys us back as His own. It's a place of eternal protection. Oh, it has boundaries. There are fences. But you know what God says? As long as you stay in those fences, run all you want. Have all the fun you can. Do what you can. But brother, sister, if you step across those if you climb over that fence, you place yourself outside of His protection, outside of His provision, then He has no choice but to correct us, to chastise us. Why? Because He loves us. It's a place of lasting satisfaction. You'll find no greater joy in anything you do for the glory of God. We can live our lives. We can, we can love our families. We can do our jobs. We can have fun. We can fish. We can golf. We can sew. We can work in the garden. And as long as we do it to the glory of God, there will be lasting satisfaction. But if you do it for yourself or for any other reason, those things are going to become frustrating. They're going to become hard. Golf is frustrating enough as it is. If you don't do it for the glory of God, then you might want to put your clubs up. Um, So there's satisfaction. It's also a place of comfort. Those fences that God puts up are not just to keep us from doing things. Oh, they're to protect us. They're to bring comfort. But it's also a place where there's no shame. Think about how this man, this worthy man Boaz, reacted to Ruth. would have been a very different story if he came out. Who is this woman? What's she doing in my field? Oh, great, it's another beggar. Let her get what she can and then tell her to go on. The Lord doesn't do that. No, the Lord says to all come. He invites us to enter that field of grace and find what we need. How do we enter? We enter by grace, by faith, by faith because of His grace, faith in a person, in Jesus. We live. How do we live there once we arrive? It's still by faith, trusting in Him each and every day. Jesus is ready to meet us. He wants to welcome us to His family, to show us His kindness. To offer his protection. And I don't know what you're looking for, but everything you're looking for and everything you need is found in Jesus. Faith in him assures his protection and care. See Ruth and Naomi, they're mourning in this encounter with God's worthy man. Turns from mourning to gladness, hopelessness to hope. Bitterness turns to blessing, and death turns to life. And the same offer is extended for you today. I want to close with something I, I wrote um, in regards to this, and you may find it helpful, and then we'll pray. There's favor in God's field of grace, though sometimes it's hard to see. He welcomes the wanderer, come take your place, a place made for you and for me. Blessings and mercy are there for the asking. God keeps all he calls as his own. His mercies are endless, his love everlasting. He beckons the needy, come home. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we pray? Father, we are thankful for your wonderful grace. And Lord, as, Paul, as Peter wrote, may that grace and peace be multiplied to us. May we find satisfaction in no other thing than you. And may we find ourselves today, as needy as we are, coming to the one who is able to meet all our needs. If you are sufficient, you are able. Lord, you can turn that mourning to gladness, that hopelessness to hope, Bitterness to blessing, death to life. Lord, you're willing to weep with us along the way and celebrate during our times of joy. You're willing to discipline us because you love us. And we ask this morning that you would help us to take full advantage of the invitation that you offer to live freely and joyfully in a place where we find favor and blessing your field of grace. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Worship team's here to uh, play some quiet music and give us an opportunity to reflect. And, and I want you to just think about that. You know, are, am I living in the place of provision and abundance that God offers in his field of grace? And if not, what's keeping me from this? Maybe it's trust and faith. Maybe you've never made that choice, that trust to to follow after Jesus. Maybe it's just pride and selfishness. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe you're just, you're angry. Angry at God, angry at the world. Maybe there's just something you feel like you just can't shake loose. Maybe a sin, maybe a burden. you lay those things before the Lord, as you accept His forgiveness, as you turn and repent toward Him, He is faithful. He's sufficient. Actually listen to the words of amazing grace. Maybe that's something you need to reflect on or respond to, or maybe you just need to pray where you are pray down front. I'll be standing at the front if you need someone to talk to or pray with, but as God speaks, let us respond and not miss out on His advice. Thank you. Thank you for spending part of your Sunday with us here across Cross Timber, part of this Mother's Day. And just trust as you spend time with family or you spend time with friends today that you'll enjoy the abundance of the Lord's graciousness and goodness toward you. Take time to just remember all the things that He has done for you and continues to do. And if your mom or your grandmother is still living and you haven't done so, take time today. If you can get to them personally, give them a hug. Tell them that you love them and if not, make contact with them. Call, don't text. Um, I'm not scolding you, I'm just, you know, hearing your voice is a gift if you have that opportunity and you can't be close to it. We're going to sing a song this morning. It's been a, a joy to worship with you this morning and pray the Lord's blessings on you the rest of the week and Will you stand with us and sing? And when we finish singing, um, you'll be dismissed.
1: Amazing grace, how sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me I once was lost, but now am found Was blind, but now I see I once was lost, but now I'm found.